this wonderful narrative is surely the masterpiece of Luke, the storyteller. Commonly known as the story of the road to Emmaus, one commentator suggests that it could easily and perhaps more accurately be called the road back to Jerusalem. The remarkable transformation of the two disciples at their table in Emmaus, in the presence of the one who breaks bread with them, is the very heart of the post-resurrection revelations of the risen Christ, and has given us one of the most profound theological insights for what we are doing in this place, at this table, and in this moment. That transformation for the two disciples takes place at the end of a journey of only seven miles. But at the beginning of another journey of seven miles, what was about to end in despair and without hope ended in a burst of excitement, of enthusiasm, and of a new beginning of their joy. I have always maintained that we hear and interpret the gospel, whether it is a parable, whether it's one of Jesus' teachings, or whether it is an encounter between Jesus and someone in another time and culture. We hear and interpret the gospel through the lens of our own journey and our own place in the midst of that journey. This is what happens with the two disciples whom Jesus joins on their way home from Jerusalem. And he asks, what are you discussing as you walk along? Inserts himself right into their mood and their conversation. And they tell him, and then adding that great phrase that sums up where they are and how they feel. But we were hoping. We were hoping. The response of Jesus is to tell them his story, a story that has been unfolding for generations of their ancestors, but a story that now surrounds them with a promise and its vision of a new way to embrace and understand their life, even though it seems to be without hope or dreams. He gathers up their story and wraps it in his. My friends, let this happen to us today, to you and to me. Let the story of Jesus, the story of resurrection to new life, the story of renewed promise, of certainty and courage, of hope and tenderness, 
encircle us today and tomorrow and every day that follows. Our own stories only make sense when they are intertwined with the story of the risen Christ. When we allow ourselves, our body, our spirit, to be wrapped in the story of the risen Christ. Otherwise, we walk with downcast eyes and anxious hearts. It is God who maps out the parameters of our journey, and it is the risen Christ who is our companion. But the journey of the two disciples is not yet over. Every journey needs to be sustained, and being sustained by word leads naturally to the hospitality of food, to the hospitality of the table. This is true of our life and of our liturgy. The scene at the table of the disciples brings into the story that wonderful twist of hospitality. The guest becomes the host, and the couple who have invited a stranger to eat with them now register their second moment of amazement. They had told the stranger that they were astounded at the news of the women who told them the tomb was empty. And now this astonishment returns when they recognize the risen Christ in the breaking of bread. This is one of the most poignant scenes in all the Gospels. As in so many other accounts of Jesus' revelation in the homes of those whom he meets in his ministry, he now turns a simple meal into the most profound revelation of the hospitality of God. We usually regard the Last Supper as the beginning of our Eucharistic tradition, and in many ways, it is. But this post-resurrection scene reimagines the nature of Eucharistic community within the sacramentality of a domestic setting. It is a reimagination of the Eucharistic community within the sacramentality of a domestic set, the domestic church. The ordinary experience of eating with each other in the atmosphere of hospitality is now forever tied to the extraordinary grace of the sacrament that is celebrated within the whole church, wherever it gathers for the breaking of bread. On this day, we are all conscious of our social distancing. You know, that's not really the right phrase, I think. It really isn't social distancing, 
What we are about is social proximity with a physical distance. We are separated, but in the mystery and grace of a communion of faith and love, we are very much together. So those of you, my friends, who are gathering at your kitchen table this day, or your dining room table, though I like to think that the kitchen table is more Jesus' style. Maybe that's just my background. But know this, you are a sign of the domestic church that was born in Emmaus. And like the disciples of Emmaus, we will rise from our table just as Jesus rose from the tomb and return to the journey with our hearts on fire, our hope restored, and our lives once more wrapped in the tender love of God. As someone said, with hearts on fire is not good physiology, but it's real good spirituality. So I suppose we are always seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles to, where, to wherever we're going. But it's a symbolic distance, and it's not unmanageable, nor is it a journey we take alone. There is a stranger, a friend, a neighbor, a lover, a spouse, a parent, a son, a daughter, to walk with us. And if we look deeply into their story, we will see traces of the story of the stranger on the road to Emmaus, the one who accompanies us with an amazing love. But keep an eye on your heart, lest he sets it on fire. <laughs>